As entrepreneurs, we have huge opportunities. The more success we have, the more opportunities come to us. And, you know, we're just so often charging, 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 trying to make a huge difference in our client's life that we forget to examine our own lives. I've got a, an unbelievable guest here today, a really remarkable individual who's a serial entrepreneur. He is, uh, some people call him a philosopher, I would. He has not only examined his life, but has created a framework for all of us to examine our lives so that we can really live to our full potential, not only creating value for our clients and all our future clients, but living the great life. Stay tuned. You are going to be amazed. Ordinary success? No way. You want amazing, remarkable, exceptional breakthroughs. Dig deep, think bold, drive hard, watch yourself soar beyond your dreams. AESNation.com Philip, I am so excited to have you joining us today. I mean, it's, it's pretty amazing. Uh, I, I saw not that long ago with a, good, a mutual friend, uh, Jason uh, Gaynard, uh, you uh, doing a video together and you were named the number one uh, speaker at his mastermind talk. One of the motivations for me to go uh, recently to the one he had in Napa and you were there as well, just really sharing your insights. And I think there were about 150 fellow entrepreneurs and they were just kind of um, wowed by it. So, you know, first I want to thank you for joining here to share your message with our audience. I appreciate the invitation. It's a huge honor. Well, Philip, you know, what, we talk about the, the unexamined life is one that so often we all do as entrepreneurs. We're just, you know, that classy, uh, classic, so busy doing it, doing it, doing it. And, and you've been on a journey really to help your fellow entrepreneurs make smart decisions about their life so that they can ha really live the life that they want and make that difference. And, you know, this is not something we usually start out, you know, as a young you know, getting started, this isn't what we do. I mean, how did you get to where you are today as one of the world leaders in this area? Well, I suppose uh, there's a combination of, the, I, I do agree to some extent, I think there's a, there's a humble nature, whether it's my wife that keeps me in check or whether it's my modest uh, background growing up in Ireland. And, and I don't consider myself uh, an expert in anything. And I think that does serve me. Uh, it keeps me kind of grounded. And, and, and I think the other thing, I think that's what's allowed me to get to a point where I do see the world in a particular way, not right and wrong, but just it may be sometimes different, is um, through the lives of the clients that I serve around the world, but also the, the many pitfalls, mistakes uh, that I've made myself. I mean, I really do believe I've lived three lives. I, I reinvent myself on a regular basis. I try different things. Um, I, I've traveled all over the globe to probably almost 80 countries around the world extensively. So I think I've just really put myself out there. And I think as a result of that, I've, I've just been given this opportunity and um, this this gift of being able to serve people around the world and it's not about me no it, it is great and yeah i mean it's it's out of our own experiences that so often we're able to share life lessons and you know one of the um, messages i heard during your presentation that was very powerful is this whole concept of letting go and you know as entrepreneurs we don't want to let go of anything uh you know, we're very often very controlling we want to have access to everything all at once and we, we, we want to keep building you know, on the foundation we, we've created, and we don't want to let anything go. I mean, 
you know, this letting go stuff is a little scary when you first brought it up. I could see everybody, the little tension in the room here. How, how does that work for, uh, you know, your, your fellow entrepreneurs? Yeah, I think when you say to an entrepreneur, you even bring up the notion of letting go, they automatically assume it's giving up. And I think there are two completely separate things. Um, I'm a massive advocate of creating space in my life. And, and in order to do that, sometimes it requires me to let something go. For example, um, I made an announcement at the beginning of this calendar year that I'm letting my, my number one core coaching program go, which is you know, a big chunk of her revenue. And my wife is a little bit skeptical because she is an accountant by nature and is a bit more in need of that financial security. My client's uh, combination between shit, you know, I don't want that to go. And secondly is they thought it was a marketing stunt. But the answer is no, because intuitively I know my, in my heart that I need some space in my life. So the biggest thing that entrepreneurs assume is that letting go and giving up are the same thing. And often, you, you know, you not many people use the word, I think, you know, a lot of entrepreneurs don't necessarily they see themselves as, as an individual that wants to be in uh, control of their destiny, but they don't realize that, that often means that they're a controller. Um, and control and the need for security is often driven by, ironically, the opposite, which is often insecurity. Yeah, you know, I see one of the things I think we all are is a little insecure. I mean, this is, you know, an entrepreneur is even more because, you know, we're being held to high standards, our own standards. I mean, we, we spend a lot of time setting goals and, you know, we're driving not only ourselves, but our whole teams to achieve these goals. And, you know, and how, how can we, you know, not get into this cycle of, you know, it's, it's all, I think of it, my background's initially on the financial services side. And, you know, and I remember when I first started, I grew up in a small town in upstate New York. And, you know, if I ever made $50,000 a year, life would be grand and all that. And, and much like other entrepreneurs, you know, the numbers get higher each time you set these goals, the aspirations, and it, it can get into, you know, I see some unbelievably successful entrepreneurs I've had the privilege of working with that are miserable yeah. <laughs> and you know, they're not hitting their goals or something. They're, you know, straining to do this and you know, they're, they're letting life pass by. I mean, how, how do we deal with these things? Well, I think I'm a classic example is I was actually attaining my goals. I was achieving my goals. But when I'd hit the top of that summit, when I'd hit the top of that mountain, when I got to the top of that peak and I'd look around, I go, shit, this was, this is it. This is, this is what it was meant to feel like. There was a kind of an almost an eerie emptiness, an emptiness that, I almost didn't want to feel um, because it what it didn't feel nice. So my immediate response was to look across the horizon, obviously the mountain being a metaphor, the peak being a metaphor for life and achievement and business and so on. And I'd look across the, the horizon, I'd pick another mountain, I'd go, ah, that's the problem. I've climbed the wrong mountain. So I'd come off that mountain, go across the valley, which represented often two or three years of my life, new different projects. I'd climb that mountain, I'd get to the top, I'd look around. And I'd feel the same eerie sense. So, uh, you know, for me, I'd, I'd rather work with somebody who has no goals than, than a set of goals that are belong to somebody else. Because we don't wake up in the morning and say, I'm going to take on goals, dreams, and aspirations of other people. But often, internally, we've been driven by the need to validate ourselves, to seek validation from others. And somewhere along the line, we start putting on masks. Before we know it, we're living other people's lives and therefore chasing other people's goals and dreams and aspirations. And meanwhile, we're not nurturing ourselves at the core and we're not aligned to the work we want to do. We're not aligned to core relationships in our lives. So it can get a little bit complex and so suddenly we lose control of it. Yeah, no, it's, I, we do a lot of research here 
And one of the groups recently, uh, uh, we surveyed some extremely successful financial entrepreneurs and you know, everybody's making mid seven figures and a couple making even uh, eight figures of net income. And uh, you know, the one thing everybody's you know, scoring real high on so many things and then when we came to you know, how happy they were in life, uh, it wasn't. And you know, in some cases, you know, many of them were thinking of retiring early just to, you know, try something different. And and part of it, you know, I, I really think they were struggling with the goals. They they wanted to be the top people in the world, and had, you know, it, it's easy to lose track of, you know, is that really what you want, or is it someone else? And as so many of us as entrepreneurs, it, it, it's. I was doing investment banking for a while, you know, I had the, the, the uh, mid-sized jet and flying around and hated my life with a passion, <laughs> but I was making a lot of money, you know, the whole thing. And it's kind of, you, know, you you can, it's amazing what you can convince yourself of in the moment that's the right thing. And uh, if you can just take a step back, oftentimes it's not. Yeah, I mean, I think that's probably the biggest challenge in my business is that people are often drawn to my work, drawn to my retreat, see the value in taking time out and stopping to ask the questions now rather than life unfolding and find themselves in 10 years time or 15 years time in what some commonly refer to as a midlife crisis, which I don't believe is anything other than our life catching up with us, the decisions or indecisions that we've made. Um, I think it requires a lot of courage for people to actually stop when things are going well. The time to work in your relationship is when it's going really well. The time to work on not your business, but your personal life and to make sure that your goals are aligned to who you want to be as a man or as a woman, as opposed to constantly obsessing about your business. But the courage it requires to take a step back and ask this really simple questions. I mean, I'm dealing with some really uber wealthy people. I mean, I've been very fortunate to deal with everybody from Olympic athletes to mom and pops to couples to a tremendous amount of entrepreneurs. They represent probably 95% of my business. Um, and in more recent times, the profile from a financial standpoint has grown substantially. But the same challenges apply. The challenges just maybe look and feel a little bit different. But we all know money doesn't buy happiness, yet that doesn't stop us actually chasing it. Because we know it intellectually, but emotionally, I think we're driven so much by um, you know, this need to be seen as being number one, as opposed to you know, wanting to give ourselves permission to actually do the things that we want to do. And I think happiness, that notion of chasing happiness is a bit of an illusion. What I do is I encourage my clients to chase um, and bring in nothing other than meaning, let go of happiness, chase meaning in our lives, and then the happiness is a byproduct of that. That's great. And you know, we were talking as we were getting ready for the interview. And, uh, you know, one of the things you mentioned to me, Philip, that I thought was is so important is, you know, the, the desire for most entrepreneurs to have a lot of complexity in their lives. And uh, certainly there have been times in my life that I was extremely proud of how many things I could handle and the multiple companies and all this. Uh, I'm 59. I think I'm gaining some. I'm, I'm learning how little capabilities I have as I get older. But I mean, this is one that it just does, you know, as you have more success, you have more money, you have more capital, you can just really make it very complicated. Are you seeing that uh, in your practice? 
Absolutely, absolutely. And I always, I always remember one client who sat in front of me one day, John, and he, I put him up on a big whiteboard and he outlined everything that was going on in his life. And he was so good. It was like this incredible presentation. And he was so convincing. I found myself at one point wanting to interject and question him. And then I found myself going to this place going, yeah, that makes sense. This business feeds that business and this business is there and that's the financial piece and this is the freedom piece and this is the path. And then finally, I just, it was almost like I virtually slapped myself in the face and I stood up and said, hang on, what? you're so good at convincing yourself that you almost even had me going. I said, this is chaos. And he looked at me and goes, but, but no, it makes sense. And he said, Philip, you don't understand. I can deal with this. Now, if I had a video camera on that man, I promise you, six months later, bit by bit, he pared away, pared away, let go of some things, and he was afraid that he'd lose money. He was afraid that people wouldn't come. He was afraid the clients wouldn't. He ended up making more money, less, more complexity, or sorry, less uh, complexity, way more simplistic view of his life. His relationships deepened all around him by the sheer fact that he was more at peace, his family were more at peace, and I repeated it back to him. I sat him down one day. I said, do you remember that first day? He's like, oh, my God. He said, I don't know how. Like, it's almost like he said, who was I? I was so convinced that I was doing the right thing. And he looked back now with almost shame and embarrassment. So we're incredibly good at creating complexity. But I often wonder, I don't want to tell people, I, I don't want to help people get rid of the complexity. I want to know why it's there. Because someone comes to work with me and gets rid of it, says no 50 times, delegates, gives up things, and then they go away, they'll fill the, 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 just fill it back up again, three months, four months later. So what's going on emotionally for that person that they need busyness um, in their lives? What are they running from? Um, what do they don't want to face? What do they feel that busyness is giving them? Some sort of sense that they're successful, but perhaps they don't feel it? I don't know. I mean, it depends on the individual. Yeah, and, and I'll tell you, I, I have been there. And I know certainly a lot of uh, good friends have, have been there. And you know, one of the things that's been so powerful for me, Philip, is that the whole concept of that simple and elegant, you know, that it's not you know, letting go of things not to make the, you know, less of an impact. And you're saying the one fellow that you were working with, you know, as he gave up more things, he's actually more successful because he's delivering more value to the marketplace and having a great quality of life. And this is sometimes we, you know, we, in the, the, you know, kind of the doing battle as an entrepreneur, we forget about how powerful it is to really focus on, you know, making things simpler, you know, that, that we don't need a tremendous amount of complexity. It's oftentimes three or four things that we do that are tiny that can make the huge impact that can have us be even more successful. Uh, but I, and I think the biggest challenge is, and with respect, there's probably going to be people that are going to watch or listen to this and they're going to be going, yeah, yeah, my friend, John, you should be listening to this. And my, my cousin, Mary, I mean, my God, she's, I think that complexity has become so normal that we're unaware of how complex our lives have actually become. So the analogy I often use is my mother has severe arthritis. And I'll say to my mother, how bad, how bad is the arthritis today? She goes, oh, today's not a bad day. But if I could plug in some sort of mechanism that I could plug it into my body for me to experience the direct pain that she's experiencing, I'd probably fall on the ground, roll around crying with agony. She's become so used to the pain over a prolonged period of time, we don't realize how complex our lives have actually become. And therefore, don't see the need to change it. But eventually, it catches up in the form of, of either an emotional, a mental, or a physical breakdown of sorts. 
And then, and only then, it's like going to the chiropractor when your back is out, as opposed to going to the chiropractor for maintenance before you actually put it out. So that's the biggest challenge for people. Is they don't actually see the complexity in which they live in. Uh, let me go to uh, two other areas that we, you know, that really you've, you've brought up along the way in your writings and in your lectures and presentations and your programs. You know, one is, you know, we're overloaded with information. As entrepreneurs, we want to be fully prepared to be able to do everything exceptionally well. And, uh, you know, I could grab my smartphone. I, I'm surrounded by computer monitors and stuff. But, you know, there is just a flood of information coming to us. You know, how, how do we deal with that in our lives, Philip? Well, I think there's a mo that's a big, I mean, we could do a whole session just on that. But I, I suppose what comes to mind as you say that, when my wife was pregnant with our first, uh, our first child, Charlie, uh, I always remember coming home one day, and it was like overnight. Maybe they just crept in, I don't know. But there must have been about eight or nine books sitting beside her bedside. And I'm not suggesting that books, I mean, I myself have written books. I'm not suggesting they're useless. That's not what I'm suggesting. But I think that we've lost this innate, you know, you know, trust in ourselves that we're capable of way more than actually we believe and that we've been entrusted and given amazing gifts as entrepreneurs as people creativity we often say that oh i'm not that creative my cousin is we're incredibly creative i've proved to so many entrepreneurs how creative they can be i've proved to so many entrepreneurs that tell me they're a starter not a finisher or vice versa that that's not the case that if they get into something that is aligned that they they derive tremendous meaning from that makes an impact. They make it about other people that they can be a starter and a finisher. And I remember, my, I remember just sitting down with my wife and saying, "So, what's the purpose of the books?" And she's a very, um, she had a lot of academic background, and she was, she's a lot more heady than I am. And she says, "Well, I want to learn and everything else." And I said, "But where is the space for you to just trust that you are actually built, made?" created to actually do this and i'm not getting all spiritual necessarily but you are you're this incredible human being that's you know you can be guided by books but guided and living by other people's words are different things which i ironically turns back to the goals thing again because people read various books they go to model those individuals but in order to model them they have to almost to to to, to, to extract goals that are driven or inspired by these people they're not often their own so to me it's not about turning off all information but for example, if somebody says to me, I read a book a month or a book a week, I go, great. But like, what did you get from that book? Like, John, when was the last time you met somebody who went, oh my God, this book was amazing, changed my life. And you just stop and say, okay, what one thing did you do? No, no, it changed my life. I said, no, I appreciate that. But what one thing did you do as a result of this book that changed your life? Well, I mean, I, I, I'm not sure, but I'd rather somebody have a book of four books on their shelf that they really sit with for a period of time and implement and bring into their lives as opposed to someone who's read 4,000 books but still is treading water and struggling in life a little bit. Well, it's, uh, you know, I, I, would, I was giving a lot of presentations on this subject and uh, Stephen Covey had written the book uh, The Seven Habits of Highly Effective uh, People and I would ask you know, this audience you know, how many of you thought it was a great book? And I mean, you know, some hand, double hands up and they're, you know, great book and everything. And then say, who knows three out of the seven habits? Not all seven. I, was, I didn't want to go. And it was almost no one knew you know, three <laughs> out of seven. And then it was like, how, it really goes to what you're saying. How effective is a book that's entitled the seven you know, habits of highly affected people? 
if you can't name three. And this is so often we see that. And and it, and it's, I, I want to go, because this is something you were talking about when we were at the Mastermind uh, talks uh, with Jason and the group. The, you know, I think kind of that self-awareness, authentic, you know, being an authentic individual. As entrepreneurs, we're kind of almost putting on the Superman or Superwoman cape and, you know, we've got to be tough and be able to, you know, everything from being a SEAL, uh, you know, former SEAL to, you know, a ranger, the military, the, you know, professor. Yeah, it's just, and um, boy, uh, you know, it just makes life pretty complicated trying to live up to all those things. It's, it makes it complicated, but it also makes it absolutely exhausting. As you, mm -hmm. as you say that, I mean, you, you know, you nailed it this expectation that we place upon ourselves. I mean, what is what a great indicator. I mean, John, this to me all comes back to something and I wasn't sure we were going to get here. Maybe we, we, you know, maybe this is a little bit too deep, but so be it. This is what I believe. You, you know, you opened up the interview by introducing about, you know, you know, how entrepreneurs create so much value. Well, we spend so much time trying to create so much value in, in our, to our customers, to our services or our products. Um, but how often do we as individuals, as humans, forget about entrepreneurship, but as humans, but also as entrepreneurs, take time out to actually create value within ourselves. So if you're somebody that's listening to this, that's really hard on yourself. So no matter what you achieve in life, it's never enough. No matter what you do, it's never enough. No matter how much money you get, it's never enough. No matter how many relationships you, you delve into, it's never enough. How many businesses you create that are successful, it's never enough. Ultimately, ultimately, you have to at some point, or at least the opportunity to ask this beautiful question, not because it's coming out of my mouth, because it's a beautiful opportunity in the world, is am I enough? And this might sound very fluffy to a lot of people, particularly some busy entrepreneurs who are just getting going and are rolling up their sleeves and saying, listen, I'll deal with that shit when I've made my first hundred million. Then I'll have the space. It just doesn't work like that. Am I enough? If you're really hard on yourself, it, people can use that hardness to drive themselves but I think it comes at a cost because you don't get to enjoy life. You don't get to impact people around you. You don't get you don't get the opportunity to become this inspirational beacon that you can become if you strike the balance between driving your business and actually making sure that you have value within your own skin. And when you do that, the most powerful work I've ever done in my life, the only thing that I, the most, the key thing to any success that I have achieved was doing the the inner work the inner dialogue, the inner conversations, so I could create the clarity that I wanted so my businesses didn't define who I, I didn't become my business, I became who I was, and my businesses were an extension of who I was. They weren't who, who I was as an individual, if that makes any sense. It does, and I always think of it as we're not in business for more business, we're in business to support the quality of life that we want, and we, you've got to get clarity around that. So Correct. we've been talking about letting go of all this stuff, Phil. You know, what do we let in? Then. Well, I think when we can start to let go of, of and, and even if it starts with one or two things, even if it, you know, again, attachments are a great insight, a great gateway into understanding some of the things that we need to let go of. So what am I attached to in life? Often we're attached to the business that we're in. We're attached to a monetary value of our business. We're attached to a monetary goal. We're attached to, you know, the product that we sell, etc. And sometimes those attachments are very unhealthy. What I said recently is have a desire, have this desire as a human to be better yourself as an entrepreneur, but let it go and don't allow that to control you. Think about that just physically. I'm holding it. It feels like, it feels like I'm, I'm, I'm contracted. It feels like I'm controlled. If you let it go, you open this beautiful opportunity for, in, you know, not just to be more inspired by what you do yourself, 
Forget mm-hmm. about other people around you. But intuition. You start bringing intuition into your life. You start to experience something that is not mutually and should not be mutually exclusive to athletes. And that is a state of flow. I've worked with Olympic athletes. I went to London, whatever, three years ago with a group of athletes. I've been in that space, right? And, you know, we sometimes think that flow is only available to athletes. It is available to every single human being in this world. Clarity, intuitive clarity starts to show up. In other words, it's not a case of you have to sit down and intellectually think and strategize about what you want. You wake up and you start to, you know what you want. Not overnight, but you know what you need to nurture yourself. And there's just a few of those things that start to come into your life when you create space. Yeah, it is. I mean, you know, being in the flow as an entrepreneur, I mean, it's so powerful. Uh, you know, what we can accomplish, what our team can accomplish, we can inspire people around us and live a great life. And so often we let ourselves get caught up in you know, our own success and the picture of what other people have. You know, we talked about the goals, the information, overload, the complexity. I mean, it's amazing all the things we can do to screw up what is a great life of an entrepreneur. You know, yeah. you know, Philip, you, you write about this. I want to go, let me go to the next segment, which is the book of the day. And, uh, you are prolific in getting, you know, pulling this information together. And, you know, I, I don't let the authors off out, you know, have written good, great books. And, you know, why don't you share what your favorite one that you've written uh, that you think would be so helpful for entrepreneurs here? Yeah, I mean, it's a bit self-serving, but I appreciate it. And I say self-serving from from my standpoint. Um, But it's called Rich on Paper, Poor on Life. Um, Rich on Paper, Poor on Life. And that doesn't mean that uh, if you're rich on paper, you're going to be poor on life. However, the book was written, uh, I'm very proud of it because it's not the book that I thought would sell the most, John. It was the book that I felt I needed to write. And they're very, very different things. And the ironic thing about that is it's the very book that I wrote and that has sold, you know, way more than the other books, which is which is interesting. Um, it is just basically a collection of very simple, real stories. The only thing we changed was the names of the, the individuals. Real stories broken down into three segments, three elements of a human being's life, three relationships. The work that we do or the business that we run, the relationship to self and the relationship to others. And what I simply do is illustrate um, you know, using five stories in each of those, how we can transform an aspect of each of those elements or how we can just simply grow and, and develop awareness in each of those elements. Not to tell you, it's not a book to tell you how to live, it's a book that shows you how you know, potentially you could live if it's, a, if it's something that you're, you're, you're drawn to. And it's inspired by the Celtic Tiger, the, the economic, economic juggernaut. Um, and, and in your background, financial background, I'm sure you're familiar with Ireland becoming one of the poorest countries in Europe to the second wealthiest country in the world in a, in a space of 12 years. Like it was a blip, it was a sneeze, a blink of an eye in historic terms and economic terms. But the social invoice, the social cost of that growth. So I'm not saying don't you know, get rid of money and denounce money and we'll all be happy. It's about, yeah, pursue your financial goals, pursue your financial or your, 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 your business you know, dreams and aspirations but not at the cost of who you are as a man or a woman on this earth. And basically, that's the question, that's the challenge, and that's the support the books give you. It's a very simple read. Um, it's not going to win a Pulitzer Prize, but I believe it's an important message. No, it really is. And it's one that we all struggle with. You know, that I don't like the word balance, but harmony between those elements. And 
you know, uh, I mean, work, relationships with ourselves and others, and how can we structure it? And, and the, the worst thing that we all can do as successful entrepreneurs is not address it. So, you know, it's a great book to get you thinking about it. Let me go to the next segment. And this is applications of the day. And, you know, uh, we, we did talk about this earlier, Philip, and you have a unique suggestion for the smartphone for our fellow entrepreneurs. Yeah, I mean, it might be unique. It might be silly to some. I don't know. But if I don't have a, an app that I would recommend, but if I could build an app, I'd build an app that would actually turn off all the other apps for, for chunks of time or periods of time. I'm not suggesting, again, John, people jump to conclusions. Oh, this guy's knocking apps and, you know, my life wouldn't be where it is if I didn't have the apps. I'm not suggesting you throw it all out the window. But I just think that we've become so reliant on technology. Um, you know, when I run my retreats around the world, I don't ban technology, but we encourage people to disconnect. And the... The, the, the depth in which they get to in the retreat is often a direct uh, representation of their, the depth or the ability that they have you know, taken to unplug from the world. So technology and accessibility is wonderful, but it comes at a cost. So I don't have an app, um, and if I did, it would be one that would uh, turn off all the rest of them. I know, as you rightly said, there is an off button, yeah. but I think the off button has proved not to be enough. No, because there's an on switch, too, that goes with <laughs> <Yeah>. that. <laughs> I no. shouldn't be laughing. I told you I just had surgery in my mouth. Uh, I shouldn't be laughing, but uh, there is an on switch, and that's the downside of the off switch. Correct? No, it, it, it is. I mean, I, if we were having significant others of entrepreneurs who aren't entrepreneurs, you know, on this, and they would agree with you very quickly. I, I, I think it's one that all of us as entrepreneurs have to work on even more because technology is so empowering. I mean, we're, today we're talking, uh, you know, uh, over Skype. Uh, I th you're up in British Columbia, aren't you? Correct, yes. Yeah. So British yes. Columbia, I'm in Silicon Valley. You know, I mean, we could be you know, a halfway around the world. It doesn't make any difference. It's no cost technology to put this together. It's next to nothing. So it's, you know, it's very valuable and it's empowering for many of us if we use it correctly. But it's so easy to get distracted and add complexity to our life. And really, um, I know my wife has pointed out to me on a few occasions Felt that uh, it, it it is distracting. I'll just she uses different words, but distracting <laughs> some of the technology. So, but even on that, John, I appreciate your honesty. That you know, often you know, you, you have people who either run podcasts or are teachers themselves, and and they're too busy trying to pretend that their lives are perfect. So I love your vulnerability. So thank you for that. Um, it's very refreshing. But you know, it, it's interesting. I literally now, now I don't do this as a practice. Okay, so heads up. But I remember literally one day working with a group of clients that I've been working with for some time, and this guy was convincing me of like as we do as as human beings and entrepreneurs particularly well that everything that was going on in his life served him and that his wife was on board. And I said, so if your wife was sitting here, what would she say? He said, oh, no, she'd agree 100%. And I said, okay, give me your phone. And he goes, what? And I said, give me your phone. <laughs> yeah. I'll call her. Now, don't just in case your listeners are wondering, I don't do that on a regular basis. I've never done it since. And I literally, with his permission, phoned her on the spot. And I said, this is what you know. this gentleman has just told us. He tells me you're on board. I just want to check in because my sense, my intuition is telling me that you're not. She goes, I'm not even close to on board. And now that I have you, can I just give you my perspective? So again, our spouses, we often discount because they're often very close. But, you know, their perspective on us, because we're so close, is, uh, is very, interesting, very yeah, interesting. I don't know if you remember uh, a presentation by Garrett Gunderson on his yes. meeting 
I, uh, with his wife. And I'd encourage, uh, I have a podcast with uh, Garrett, and he does bring it up in it. And his wife was in the back of the room, and, and I had had a drink the night before with both of them. And uh, I, I was asking Carrie, his wife, you know, whether or not she was going to be aligned. And she said, no, we are. If he had, His early presentations weren't quite true. We, we've been now doing it for enough time, you know, many years, that it's, it's very powerful. And, and really just... You know, when we talk about letting go of certain things and letting some things in, putting a little structure around and make sure that you're meeting with your significant other and checking in, you know, what's working well or not. They're, they're great sounding boards. They're not reading the PR, the positioning and everything else. So yeah. uh, it's I spoke great. in Fort Benning. I was invited down to work with some of the military, the U.S. military. And, uh, you know, my, my wife uh, was... My, came in with my two young kids and uh, she hadn't heard me speak for probably live for about three years. So, I mean, there was a big evolution, I suppose, uh, between where I was before and where I am now. I'm not saying better or worse. That's for everybody else to, 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 to decide. But it was really interesting to debrief afterwards and get her perspective. And that was that was really interesting. And thankfully, she was on like bang on the same lines and you know, everything I, I buy into. But for a moment, I forgot she was actually in the audience. And then I looked over and I was thinking, oh, my God. Can I say this, you know? <laughs> no, all good. Well, you know, we've been talking about, you know, your business. What I'd like to do in the next segment, let me play it here, is resources. And what resources are available at your website? And, you know, kind of give us a broad picture of uh, how if uh, someone wants to take it, one of your fellow entrepreneurs wants to take it further, how they could reach out to you. Yeah, I mean, you know, people often think they need to jump off the deep end. I mean, if nothing else, go online, you know, and, and just download one of the free books. I have a free book called Dead Man Walking, which is about, you know, getting out of your head a little bit, which is a huge, it's an epidemic in the world today. People just living in their heads and, um, you know, intellectually lost, I suppose, in some respects. Uh, Dead Man Walking is a short read, 30 pages, and it gives an introduction. It gives you a sense. There's also a, a blog that I have or a video blog that I put up videos. And then you can get a sense. And, and, and I just trust people to use their intuition. If they're drawn to my work, great. If they're not, trust that and move away because I may not resonate with you. But I think the biggest thing I do, John, and my specialty is working with individuals, entrepreneurs, primarily in small, intimate settings in different parts of the world to extract the greatest resource of all. And that's not their time. It's their creativity. It's who they are. And I can bring it out in a way that, with respect, I'm not saying nobody else can, but in a way that often the entrepreneurs who worked with me didn't believe was possible. And then use that resource, which is them, not to tell them what to do, but for them to decide what it is they want in this life and to go and get it. And that's really what I do best. But uh, if people just you know go to the website, download the book, and that's a great place to start. Let me do the key takeaways that really are jumping out at me. I've taken a bunch of notes and, you know, it's, we have the opportunity like no one else as entrepreneurs to build the life that we want. I mean, just as simple as that. And, and so often we let other people build it for us. And, you know, as Philip was saying, you know, letting go, you know, not getting caught up in the goals and particularly other people's goals, you know, deciding what that life is that you want not being distracted by all the information, the technology of the world, not getting caught up with complexity. And I, I know, you know, hopefully you're relating to a lot of this because I know I am. I've done it over and over again. And, and I have, I think I have a great life and I've simplified things. I, I use the term simple and elegant. I'm always looking at what's the smallest change that I can do that's going to have the biggest impact 
for my clients, for my team, you know, that's really going to be transformational. And, and as we really let go of other things, as Philip's talking about, you know, we can let other things in, our important relationships, you know, that meaning and purpose that he talked about. And, and th this is uh, for really what we're in business is to make a difference. And every one of us has that opportunity. Philip, I want to thank you again for joining us. And I want to encourage everyone to go out and take action. Uh, you know, Philip writes about and talks about taking action without clarity. There is no clarity in life. You know, go out and take action. You have the opportunity to build a great life to support you know, all stakeholders, your clients, your future clients, your strategic partners, teammates. They're all counting on you. Don't let them down. We wish you the best of success. Exceptional, remarkable breakthroughs. AESNation.com.